Hello, my friends. Michael Youssef here, and I just wanted to thank you for connecting with Leading the Way. Our entire team is wholly committed to passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth of God's Word, and it cannot be done without you. Learn more about what God has charged us to do around the world by clicking around ltw.org. That's ltw.org. Thank you, and may God richly bless you as you seek to serve Him. Reggie White, who played for the um, Green Bay Packers, wrote a book on Minister of Defense. In that book, he tells of a story, a pastor friend of his, who had a vision, or in a form of a dream, that in that vision, or the dream, he went to visit a hospital uh, that has three different wards. All the beds in all the three different wards were occupied by injured Christians. The first ward was occupied by those who were discouraged. And there were lots of doctors and nurses who were there ministering to them and slowly but surely bringing them back to spiritual health. The second ward was occupied by Christians who were injured in the course of ministry, who were working for the kingdom of God and they got hurt. Although the number of medical personnel not as great as those who were discouraged, but nonetheless, they were slowly but surely getting back to health. Then he went to the third ward. This was altogether different. The folks there were not only different in terms of their situation, but these patients were far worse off than all the other patients in the other two wards. Their injuries were so terrible that it was disfiguring. And to make things worse, there were no medical personnel to attend to them. And Reggie goes on to explain that how God used that vision with that pastor and with him to realize that those who are wounded by their fellow believers, knowingly or unknowingly, they did not only feel deeply wounded, but that wound caused them to isolate themselves from the Christian community. They basically shut themselves down from all possible ministry that could have helped restore them into wholeness. Before I get to the passage, I want to tell you that there was a major study that was done by the Gallup organization right across the board, not necessarily among Christians, but right across the board in the United States. And the conclusion of that study was that the living in isolation and loneliness has increased in far greater proportion than any time in the past. And yet, people are longing in their heart to break away from that loneliness and isolation, but they don't know how to go about it. Furthermore, those who isolate themselves, it knows no limit in terms of age and in terms of gender and in terms of marital status. There are teenagers who are lonely and isolated. There are single adults who are living in loneliness and isolation. There are married couples who live in loneliness and isolation. They all feel deeply the pain of isolation and loneliness, and yet seldom know how to remedy the problem. Listen, I have a first-hand experience 
uh, of isolation from family and friends and even country of birth, and not just once, several times. The second time was really one of the furthest on the other side of the globe in Australia where I landed there. And, and, but because of the body of believers, because of Christians, because people reached out to me, I was able to fellowship with folks my age. And it wasn't very long after I landed there, my eyes zeroed in on a specific person in that small group. <laughs> That gives the word fellowship another meaning. (laughs) But before I get to my text, I want to make sure that you understand the difference between the importance of living in a small Christian community in fellowship and studying the Word and accountability, and the importance of having a certain time a period of time, not long time, but a short period of time, to go into a self-imposed isolation, a self-imposed time alone with God. Occasional self-imposed isolation to spend time with God for a limited period of time can be a great blessing. And I've done that personally, and I still do that when I need to spend time alone with God, (laughs) Uh, when I want to be quiet in solitude with just me and the Lord, when I want to hear from the Lord alone, and I want all the noise, even of good people and dear friends, I want to shut that so I can hear from God alone. All of these temporary times of aloneness with God can be an enormous blessing. Jesus Himself. He went alone for a time with His Father to hear the Father, to speak to the Father. He went to to a lonely place alone to be with God. But that's not what I'm talking about in this message. I am talking about those who, for whatever reason, find themselves isolated from a close Christian fellowship. I remember a time when I was running away from God. I hated Christians. I really did. And somehow, several Christian leaders in my town saw me as a project. I mean, they were really going to help me get back. But the problem is, every time I see one of them coming to visit, I mean, I ran away. I just went to the back door and disappeared. I don't want to be around them. And I'm telling you, if you are staying away from Christian fellowship, ask yourself the question, is there a sin in your life? Are you running away from God and just taking out on Christian believers? Ask yourself that question. Those who deliberately place themselves in isolation, whether it be for health reasons, whether it be for social reasons, whether it be for personality traits, whether it be for fear of rejection, whatever it might be, it could be a host of other reasons— Whatever the reason may be, I want to tell you, you are doing that to your own personal detriment. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 40. I want to show the importance that Jesus Himself placed on this rejection of isolation. Because sometimes coming out of isolation can be the very secret for healing and restoration. Now, in that vision or the dream that Reggie White describes in his book, the hardest people 
to move out of self-imposed isolation are those who have isolated themselves because of wounds they've received from other believers. For some reason, they say, I have been wounded. I'm not going to go back again. Now, this woman in Luke chapter 8 belongs to the patients in the third ward in that vision. Not because she was wounded by others. She was wounded physically with her dilapidating disease, but she was wounded spiritually also in that community. Again, I'm going to tell you in a moment why. Because of her desperate need, and she reached to the point of desperation, she makes her way through the throng and touches Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, verse 40, it says, Jesus came back from the Galilee lake into the ground. There before, if you read, at that point, Jesus stopped the storm, rebuked the wind, and perhaps some of them were seeing that on the edge of the lake, watching and seeing how He did this. And so the crowd and the masses of people were there waiting for Him to land. (laughs) They were desperately in need. And among them was a very desperate man by the name of Jairus. He was desperate for Jesus' healing. His only daughter, his only child, a daughter who is 12 years old, Jairus was basically a big shot in the synagogue. This man's desperation, he comes and begs Jesus to come to his house in order to heal his daughter. And I want you to feel the desperation of Jairus. Feel the desperation. Feel the sense of pain and the urgency in his heart. He knew that if Jesus does not come and heal this girl that's about to die, she will die, and it will be over. He believed that Jesus could heal the sick but not raise the dead. Now, parents and grandparents, I know you, you can feel that sense when you have a sick child. You know what it's like. And so he was there begging Jesus, come on, quickly, Jesus, come on, come on, come on. Let's move. Move faster, Lord. But Jesus was taking his sweet time. I mean, he was in no hurry. (laughs) But Jairus was. Have you ever been there? I tell you, many times in my life, I've been in a hurry, but the Lord was not. (laughs) He operates in a whole different strata. But feel the frustration of Jairus when Jesus started walking like on eggshells to his house. (laughs) And here he is. Come on, come on, Lord, come on, Lord, come on. Come on, move quickly, please. Jesus, touching this one, healing this one, blessing this one. And the man was in absolute desperation. Feel the anxiety as he was trying to move Jesus faster. To make things worse, Jesus stops altogether. He's no longer walking slowly, taking his sweet time. He just stops altogether. Imagine this man saying, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He stops in order to speak to an unidentified, an unknown woman 
who touched his tassel. By now, Jairus probably was completely freaking out. And the disciples themselves become incredulous when Jesus said, somebody touched me. Come on, Lord, what do you mean somebody touched you? And if you have not been in the middle of a massive crowd of people who are pushing and shoving and you kind of really have no control, if you've never been there, thank the Lord. I hope you'll never be. I know how frightening it is when you get caught in masses of people that are pushing and shoving, and you have no control over your own strength. Jesus, what do you mean somebody touched you? It's a miracle you didn't get knocked down to the ground. I mean, these people are shoving and pushing, and somebody touched me. His power left me. Somebody touched me. A woman. And it's amazing how Luke, being a doctor, as he records this incident, he draws parallel between the age of the girl, 12 years old, and the years which this woman has been sick, 12 years. She has been as sick as many years as this precious little girl has been alive. And out of desperation, she comes from behind and touches his cloak, and immediately the hemorrhage stopped. (laughs) Now you have to ask yourself the question, if you haven't, you should. Why this was not the end of the story? An amazing miracle took place, but lots of miracles have been taking place. Everywhere Jesus goes, miracles take place. A wonderful healing took place, but lots of healings have been taking place. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's healing. Hundreds of healings. In fact, John said, if everything was written that Jesus did, there's no book big enough to contain it all. But there's a reason for that, which I want to explain to you, but I want you to hang in there with me for a minute. This woman had a severe medical problem for 12 years. 12 years. For the 12 years, this woman had been living in misery and pain and agony and suffering. Her condition produced a dilapidating fatigue and weakness that is a result of a blood loss. But as bad as her physical pain was, there was something even worse, if that's possible, than her physical pain. What was it? In Leviticus chapter 15, verses 19 to 27, a woman with a bleeding problem, like this one, was considered to be ceremonially unclean. As long as she has this condition, she's ceremonially unclean. That meant that she could not go to the temple She could not attend any of the synagogues. Even her own family had to stay away from her. Otherwise, they too become ceremonially unclean. You talk about. (laughs) I mean, all the walls are closing in. I doubt any of us here understand the depth of this or experienced it. But that's not to minimize what you may be going through. Talk about isolation. Talk about alienation. Talk about being so alone. She was an outcast in society. She was an outcast religiously. She was outcast from the church. She was an outcast from her family. Obviously, her situation was medically hopeless. Just hopeless medically was. It says what Luke does as a physician, he writes, he says, no one 
could heal her. You know, Mark and Matthew report the same incident, and each of them reported from their point of view. When Mark recorded this, Mark chapter 5, verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and she spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, Mark said, she grew worse. (laughs) Her money's gone. Her hope is gone, and out of desperation, she comes in, pushes through the throng of the crowd, no doubt embarrassed, really embarrassed, humiliated by the secret condition, her secret condition. She probably was terrified lest her secret be revealed, and she would receive the scorn of the entire community. She probably dreaded that this horrible condition is revealed, and then she gets a worse horrible reaction from the folks. So she comes from behind and takes hold of the tassel that Jesus was wearing. When it says the hem of His garment, well, in English, they can't go to the long explanation of the shawl of the rabbi and the tassel in His shawl. And so he said the hem of his garment. But the word doesn't mean she just touched it or tugged on it. The word here that is used, it means she clung to it. She clung to it. She clung to Jesus by holding on the tassel of his shawl. Now, Matthew, when he reports the same incident in chapter 9, verse 21, here's what he must find out from her. She said to herself, if only I touch the shawl, I'll be healed. And Jesus honored her faith. He honored her faith. As soon as she grabbed hold of this tassel of the rabbi Jesus' shawl, she immediately was healed, and the hemorrhage stopped. Please listen to me very carefully. Jesus often healed people who had faith, and people who did not have faith. He healed a lot of people. But Jesus never saved anyone who did not have faith. And the word here is, go, your faith made you whole. You're not only physically healed, you're emotionally healed, you're spiritually healed, you are saved. (laughs) This woman was not only healed physically, but healed spiritually. Your faith made you whole. In fact, Jesus goes on to call her daughter. Daughter. She went from shame to royalty just like that. Amen. 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 Those of us who have been saved, we know what that's like. She went from deprivation to being the king's daughter in a flat second. But the question still remains, Why didn't Jesus just keep confidential things confidentially? Why didn't He just keep quiet about it? Good question. If you asked it, you're on the right track. Because this is the whole point of my message. (laughs) I haven't come to my message yet. Did you know that? (laughs) It's a long introduction, but I always get to my message. I have no doubt in my heart 
This woman represents untold number of people who go to church all across the land, people who occupy pews in many a church. They are well-dressed. They are intelligent. They wear beautiful clothes and beautiful masks. But on the inside, they're hurting like the dickens. Um, They may be hurting physically. They may be hurting emotionally. They may be hurting socially. They may be hurting spiritually. But above all, they feel all alone, and they live a life of terrible desperation, quiet desperation. They may sit in an executive suite, or they may live in mansions. They may be occupying high place in society, and yet they share their private life with no one. And they have one thing in common with this woman, this woman who so tentatively, who so timidly pushed her way through the throngs. (laughs) They hope that their inner anguish is not noticed by anyone. The secret pain and isolation, hopefully not discovered by anyone. Young people, old people, single people, married people, all people. Listen to the truth from the Word of God. There is power ready to come out of Jesus for you. If you exercise the faith of a mustard seed. As I said, Jesus could have just left the matter confidentially. Or he could have whispered in her ears, Your faith made you whole. I know what happened. It's just going to be a secret between you and me. But he didn't. He didn't. And you've got to understand why he didn't. It's vitally important to know why he didn't. He could have let her keep her faith private. Oh, come on now. You know, a lot of you say, my faith is very private. (laughs) Really? I'm convinced when somebody says that, their faith is so private they can't find it. (laughs) (laughs) As a matter of fact, when I was saved, I told everybody who would listen to me, Jesus saved me. He forgave all my sins. I'm now new. You can't keep your mouth shut when Jesus worked in your life. Jesus sought to identify this woman publicly. Publicly. Why? Is this some sort of a cruel joke on Jesus' part? Not at all. Because beyond the physical healing, Jesus wanted to bring her out of her social isolation. Jesus wanted to bring her out of her alienation. Jesus wanted to publicly bring her out to face Satan's oppression that kept her down, him down, for 12 years. Jesus wanted her to come out and testify to the liberating power of Jesus, to come out and testify against Satan's snare and the loneliness that she experienced. Jesus wanted to give her the courage, not only that she may receive ministry, but also that she was able to minister to others. God the Son wanted to bring her out of that publicly so that here we are, 2,000 years later, be challenged. Come out of your isolation. 
Come out of the self-imposed alienation. Come out of oppression of sin, private or public, whatever it may be, that is holding you down. And Satan loves to keep you alone from Christian fellowship because that's the way he can have his way with you. When Peter said that Satan is like a roaring lion. You know when one of the few times a lion roar is when he got his prey. He roar, get away from here, I got that prey. That's mine. And that's what he does. He keeps Christians isolated from each other, and instead of being in a fellowship and accountability, keeps them isolated so that he can have his way with them. And it is darn shame that hundreds and hundreds of people come to church every week, and they get blessed and participate in the worship, but then they leave the way they came. In isolation. In isolation. And Satan loves it. Beloved, I believe this with every ounce of my being and the fears in ministry, that God wants to move from the outskirts of your life into the very center of your being. And He will use His church to do it. The question is, will you let Him Will you let Him? Will you allow Him? God wants to move from the silence of your shame and bitterness and the bitterness of battle, that spiritual battle that you've been through, to overcome barriers that He did not place, but Satan did. Just like that anguished woman. Will you hear His voice? Will you hear His voice? 